Welcome back, warriors. Tansei Sego, Anibuju. Kuei Nin De Luizi Pampometer, and I'm the host of this show, The Warrior Life. This podcast is a show about living the warrior life, a lifestyle that focuses on decolonizing our minds, bodies, and spirits, while at the same time revitalizing our cultures, traditions, and practices. It's also about asserting, living, and defending our sovereignty all over Turtle Island. And by now, any of you who have been listening to this podcast weekly know that I've been sharing episodes from my YouTube Reconciliation Book Club series, while I take a much needed summer break, go back home and be in my home territory of Mi'kma'ki and see my family and friends. This book club series is a set of extended reviews of books written by Native authors and allies about important issues facing our nations. And I'm sure you've noticed by now that I have mixed up the order of the series as it originally played on YouTube. So when it was on YouTube, the book reviews went in this order. Whose Land Is It Anyway? An Act of Genocide? 500 Years of Resistance? Unsettling Canada? A National Crime? And Policing Indigenous Movements? Somehow, I messed up the order when I uploaded it and edited it on my podcast, which likely caused some confusion for listeners about which book was coming next. I'm really sorry about that. Honestly, I think my mix-up stands as pretty good evidence that I was long overdue for a little bit of time off. I'm really bad at not making time to have time off and give my brain a break. And honestly, by the time July rolled around, my brain just felt overworked. And the other thing is that these Reconciliation Book Club podcasts are a lot shorter than my normal podcasts because they come from my YouTube channel, which is shorter content, and the audio quality isn't as good, though I try to fix it up as best I can. Links to all of the books that I review for this series can be found in the YouTube or Warrior Life podcast description boxes under each episode. But if you have stuck with me this far, I am super thankful for both your understanding and patience with my little mix-up and for all of your continued support. And the good news is I am already recording some awesome new episodes to start us off in the fall with a bang. New episodes start Friday, September 3rd, and trust me, you don't want to miss this powerful season opener. And don't forget, this podcast is 100% listener-supported through Patreon and t-shirt sales, which help me keep my content entirely independent. And you can also get merch supporting the Warrior Life podcast through my Warrior Life clothing store on Teespring, now known as Spring, or you can support me through my Patreon account, both of which are accessible on my website, pampalmeter.com. Today's Reconciliation Book Club review is Policing Indigenous Movements, Dissent and the Security State, written by Andrew Crosby and Dr. Jeffrey Monahan, and it was published by Fernwood Publishing. This was one of the most important books for 2020. It's really that good. Also, Fernwood Publishing allowed me to share the book trailer for this book, which you can find in the original YouTube review I did of this book, or directly on Fernwood's YouTube channel. So let's get right into the review. Welcome back, book club warriors. Kwei Tansei Sego Anibuju. My name is Pam Palmeter, and this is my YouTube channel where we focus on educating the resistance and empowering the next generation of warriors to help us save our peoples and the planet. 
Today's book is not just a book, it's a damning expose of Canada as a police state. And for everyone that ever thought Native peoples were being paranoid about state surveillance, get ready to be blown away. And trust me, if there is one book you must read for 2020, this is it. We are starting off 2020 with a book that puts us right in the middle of Canada's targeted policing and surveillance practices of Indigenous peoples. The book is called Policing Indigenous Movements, Descent and the Security State, and it was written by Andrew Crosby and Jeffrey Monaghan. The book was also published by Fernwood Publishing in 2018, and it has been making waves ever since. While I could try to summarize this book in a sentence or two, Fernwood does it much better. So here's the video promo for the book that you can find on Fernwood Publishing's YouTube channel. This investigation project, Sitka, surveillance happens, is where these data banks are there, and they're mined post facto. The only thing that really concerns me is I don't want to be categorized as someone terrorizing people, because that is not what I, I did, that is not what I do. Targeting Indigenous peoples um, as national threats. The only thing I've done is be critical of federal government uh, land claims and self-government policies. If they are concerned about my, uh, my critique. Indigenous peoples have historically been criminalized and targeted and labeled as terrorists. or an episode of X-Files complete with secret government agencies, spying on native peoples, and if you read between the lines, a deep connection to the extractive industry. Trust me, this book, Policing Indigenous Movements, Descent and the Security State, is as good as the Fernwood trailer. This book was published in 2018 by Fernwood Publishing and is available as a paperback book on Fernwood's website for $25 Canadian or as an EPUB book for the same price. It's also available in other online bookstores like Chapters and Amazon, and as usual, I'll post links in the description box below just in case you haven't read it yet. And if you have been with our Reconciliation Book Club since the beginning, you will know that I am a huge fan of Fernwood Publishing. They are a publishing company whose motto is critical books for critical thinkers, and their goal is to inform, enlighten, and challenge with a mandate that includes social change and social justice. I also like them because they specifically publish books that challenge the status quo, and in particular, challenge the devastating impacts of ongoing settler colonialism. Now, the authors of this book are Andrew Crosby and Dr. Jeffrey Monaghan. Andrew is a coordinator with the Ontario Public Interest Research Group and is currently working on his PhD in the Department of Sociology and Anthropology at Carleton University. 
Jeffrey is an associate professor at Carleton's Institute for Criminology and Criminal Justice, where his research focuses on security governance, policing, and surveillance. Now, they're both considered experts in this area and have fine-tuned their access to information skills, effectively accessing government documents, thousands of them, that would never have otherwise been seen by the public. They're well-respected in their field, and their book, Policing Indigenous Movements, is backed up by their extensive and careful research. For those of you who are interested, I'll also post some links to their other published works and books in the description box below. Now, let's turn to the book itself. First, let me declare my bias. I am a super nerdy bookworm, researcher, and legal academic, and I am drawn to books that prove their claims. This book includes extensive academic references, as well as current media stories that many of us have already heard about. In addition to their academic research, the heart of their research are their numerous access to information requests, also known as ATIPS, to federal government departments and agencies like INAC, PCO, the RCMP, DND, and CSIS. Now, for my American viewers, INAC is Indian Affairs, though they change their name every few years, everyone pretty much knows them as INAC. PCO is the Privy Council Office, and that office is mandated to support the Prime Minister and the Cabinet. The RCMP is the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Canada's National Police Force. D&D is the Department of National Defence, our military. And CSIS is the Canadian Security Intelligence Service. And while this is an academic-style book, I found that it was written in a way that's accessible to a large number of readers outside of an academic context. First of all, the book's only 194 pages and is divided into four chapters plus an introduction and a conclusion. Now, some might read this book uh, a chapter a week or a chapter every day, but other avid readers could literally read this book in a day or even an evening. Fernwood describes this book as being structured around four particular Indigenous movements. The first one is the long-standing conflict with the Algonquins of Barrier Lake. Number two is the struggle against the Northern Gateway Pipeline. Number three is the Idle No More movement. And number four is the anti-fracking protests at Elsa Booktuk First Nation in New Brunswick. By focusing their narrative around four specific Indigenous movements, they're able to organize their research around the specific experiences of Indigenous peoples in each of those movements. And I think for a general audience, this has a much greater appeal than trying to organize the massive A-tips and thousands of documents in some other way. Not only do we learn about government surveillance around each of these movements, but we learn more about the movements themselves and the people that are in them. In the author's own words, and I quote, this book provides extensive first-hand accounts of how the security state has developed a prolific surveillance regime that targets Indigenous peoples as national security threats. They go on to explain, we use first-hand accounts because we refer extensively to the records of police and security agencies to narrate this book. Compiled using thousands of declassified documents from dozens of government departments and hundreds of Access to Information Act requests, we believe this book is one of the most comprehensive accounts of contemporary government surveillance. Now, turning to my review of the book, all I can say is, wow. I mean, 
I have been working in indigenous resistance and resurgence movements my entire life. Like my family, like my brothers and sisters. I mean, literally, my brothers and sisters in First Nations all over Turtle Island have personally experienced targeted surveillance and harassment by Canada's security regime. We know that we have been vilified as terrorists and threats to national security in the name of protecting the extractive industry and colonial government objectives. We know that our rights have been consistently violated without any real remedy, despite living this. And knowing this firsthand, this book still blew me away. To see it all meticulously documented in the government's own words, and to see each claim made by the authors, no matter how outrageous or unbelievable it sounded, was fully backed up by actual government documents. It was reaffirming, it was powerful, and to my mind, a damning comprehensive expose on Canada's lawlessness when it comes to targeting Indigenous peoples. I appreciated how the authors went beyond their ATIP documents and included the voices of Indigenous activists and land defenders throughout Turtle Island. We heard from the Unistaten, the Inca Dene Alliance, the Wet'suwet'en, several warrior and youth societies, and individuals like Frida Hewson, Rusty Abbo, Teresa Spence, Derek Nipanak, Cindy Blackstock, Amanda Polchis, myself, and many others. I also think this book has the power to help educate Canadians about the true nature of their own government and offers the critical evidence needed to demand accountability and radical change. We all know that what the government does to us as Indigenous peoples can and will happen to Canadian citizens. And we've already seen it. We've seen it happen with Harper's Bill C-51, the so-called Anti-Terrorism Act, that violates the basic rights and freedoms of Canadians. And this is the same bill that Trudeau promised to repeal or amend and still hasn't. There is so much I want to say about this book, but I really, really want everyone to read it because it counters everything we have been taught in school and specifically challenges things like the so-called benevolent Mountie myth or the Canadian myth of peaceful colonization. Not only does this book make the point that traditional forms of indigeneity are cast as abnormal, but the elimination policies of the Canadian state have literally been normalized within society. It also brings home the fact that Canada, as an outlaw security state, is not a new problem, but it has its roots in colonization and the need of the colonizers to get rid of what they called the Indian problem. And what for? That was particularly to access our lands and resources. This book, when read in conjunction with numerous public inquiries and commissions into racism in the justice system, as well as the national inquiry into murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls and their finding of both historic and ongoing genocide, leads to only one conclusion. Both surveillance and criminalization of Indigenous peoples goes hand in hand with genocide. In other words, it allows the violent elimination of Native peoples from our own lands. Now, I'm going to quote from the introduction of the book. Elimination thus serves a dual purpose, to suppress challenges to Canadian sovereignty and to facilitate access to the tremendous wealth and prosperity that can be accumulated through the theft of land. 
That quote literally says it all. All of this surveillance, all of this illegality, it's about stealing our lands and resources. As you can see, I'm going to be very hard pressed to try to find some kind of substantive critique for this book. Now, I would love for the book to have been longer and covered more Indigenous movements. I would love for the book to have specifically outlined the shady history of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in more detail, right from its beginnings as the Northwest Mounted Police to the numerous RCMP scandals and their links to the national crisis and genocide of murder to missing Indigenous women and girls. But again, these are just wish lists. They're not actual critiques. My overall view of the book is that it should be mandatory reading for all students in high schools, colleges, universities, and any learning institution. I think this book is the most important book Canadians should read for 2020 because, as you can see, we are literally in the midst of RCMP lies, deceit, harassment, and arrests of Indigenous peoples all over Canada, standing in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en Nation, defending their right to live on their lands and protect their water sources, plants, and animals, all within their own sovereign territory. This book literally speaks to what is happening right now, and we should all read it and then take action to demand accountability to end the injustice against Indigenous peoples. And in case you didn't know, the Surveillance Studies Network named Policing Indigenous Movements with the SSN Book Award for 2019. Congratulations to Andrew and Jeffrey and Fernwood Publishing. Now, let's move on to comments and questions from our Reconciliation Book Club members, because otherwise I'm going to go on all day about this book and then spoil it for everyone who hasn't read it yet. Now, Cluster Together, a loyal Reconciliation Book Club member, left their comments, and I quote, This book made me wish for many changes in the world. The main change that I want to mention is my wish that critical thinking was taught in all schools right from the elementary level. I think that developing critical thinking skills and applying them to every news story that we are fed about Indigenous resistance would go a long way in stopping the perception of criminality of this resistance and would help gather many loud voices in support of Indigenous resistance to settler colonialism. This is such an important book, such an eye-opening book. Thanks for selecting this book to kick off 2020, Pam. Well, thank you, Cluster Together. I totally agree with you. How can Canadians know differently if they are not taught to question what they are taught in schools and what is essentially state propaganda versus actual historic fact? Another loyal Reconciliation Book Club member, Drew Indy Two, writes, this book explains a lot. It all comes down to land and the economy. Well, you can say that again, Drew Indy Two. That is truly the crux of it all. Drew Indy Two goes on to write, more needs to be done to get the message out there that the Canadian government and security are treating Indigenous opposition as a crime against Canada's nationalism. The state has it all wrong. Indigenous peoples, especially their elders and knowledge keepers, have the answers to who we are supposed to be on Turtle Island, and this includes protecting the land, having all that we need, and promoting peace. 
Capitalism has to stop. We need to decolonize. I think that a lot more can be done soon to educate all people, not only children, and this is long overdue. Thank you for sharing your comments with everyone, Drew and D2. I completely agree with you. I don't think this is going to take 500 years. I think we can educate very quickly. Now, I have noticed that many of my readers will send their questions or comments on other social media sites because they're a little bit worried about offending people on this channel. Please don't worry about offending people. Send your comments, send your questions. That's how we all learn together. And I want to assure you that I do my best as the administrator for this YouTube channel for it to be a safe place to ask questions and engaged in fact-based discussions on what are really hard issues. I review comments and delete any racism or hatred, obvious trolls, and I delete anyone attacking anyone else who's commented. I really want open, honest discussions based on the facts so that we can all move forward in this decolonization project together. Thank you all for sending me your comments and suggestions. Please keep doing it. That's what makes this book club work. For those of you looking for more resources to complement these books in my book club, check out my website, www.pampalmeter.com. And now, for the moment that you've all been waiting for, what is going to be the next book in my Reconciliation Book Club? Well, I'm going to keep following my pattern and take us now back again in history to help us understand what's happening in the present. Thanks again for tuning into the Warrior Life Podcast and for sticking with me as I keep growing this podcast. I really appreciate all of your continued support and for sharing this podcast far and wide, leaving likes, comments, and, and positive reviews on all the different kinds of podcast platforms. And you can always support this podcast with our podcast merch, Warrior Life Podcast t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, even kids' clothing. All of it is in the Warrior Life shop on Teespring, now known as Spring, and we have lots of new designs in the shop. Not just our staple Warrior Life and Warrior Life podcast, but we also have the Warrior Kids podcast, our Bad Indian, a.k.a awesome native people t-shirt and our latest resist resurge and reclaim t-shirt and we have a new t-shirt design coming out for the fall <clears throat> and in case you missed it in our last couple of podcasts i'll also be accepting applications for sponsors for my podcast episodes from authentic indigenous artists businesses and organizations as well as from allies who want to support native media so if you're interested, just contact me via my website, pampometer.com. And tune in next week for the next <clears throat> and tune in next week for the next and final Reconciliation Book Club episode, which will be Gord Hill's 500 Years of Resistance. And I have some awesome news about that book, so you don't want to miss it. Till next time, keep living a warrior life. Walalia. We'll <laughs>